<laughs> Glory to God. Wow. What a privilege to be bringing healing school to you. Woohoo! I'm the first cab off the rank or Uber, whatever your choice might be. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The topic that I'm doing today is a topic that we probably all know very well, but it's such a fundamental um, foundation to our faith that I believe if we don't get this, even Jesus says it himself, if we don't get this, we won't get any parables. That's what the Lord says. So the topic that I'm doing is the power of our words. Ha, 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 ha. Woo! So I'm just going to pray. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for this opportunity, for this privilege, Father God, to impart into the hearts of your beautiful people, into our hearts, the spirit of your word. Father, I just pray this morning, Father God, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would visit every single one of us, that your word, because it's living and it acts, and it is active, that it comes and it ministers to our heart exactly what we need as an individual and as a corporate body. Your word is seed. And I pray this morning, Father, that your seed is planted with humility into our hearts, Father God, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, we all know that words are powerful. It doesn't matter what we do, where we go, we are bombarded with words. Our words, our, our, our world is full of words. That's how we communicate. And I'm sure we all know that saying from when we were little children, sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will never hurt you. Well, yeah, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because sticks and stones may or may not break your bones, but it is guaranteed that words can and do hurt people. Why? Because they're powerful. Because we place value on them. It doesn't matter what people say, it will invoke a response on the inside of us. I'm sure all of us have had a mentor, teacher, parent friend who has spoken a word into our life, a positive word. And it's pushed us forward. It's encouraged us. It's, it's spoken to who we are and it's made us feel good about ourselves. It's put faith. Oh, I am that. Thank you. It, it helps us to see who we are when people say good things to us. And quite the opposite. I'm sure we've all had teachers, friends, bullies, people who have said things to us that have pulled us down and that have hurt us and invoked a response. It could have made us angry. It could have made us sad. It could have made us insecure. But the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if someone says something positive to you and you believe it and you have faith in what they say, it will have an impact on your heart. Same thing goes 
for negative, if a bully comes up and you might, you know, you might be struggling in an area or whatever and someone says something to you, it will have an impact on your heart. Negatively, if you have faith in what they say to you, it will hurt you. If you don't have faith, if you have no regard for that person and you don't believe what they say and you don't care, you don't respect them, you don't honour them, it may not hurt you. And that's how we need to feel about the devil. No respect, no honour, no regard because he is a liar. But our words, our words are powerful, more powerful than I think we know. I think the revelation is rising. I think the revelation is growing, but our words are powerful. Our world is full of slogans, words, advertising, oh, what a feeling. See, we all know it. We all know it. And if I say, if I do this, most people... Most people are going to know what that means. McDonald's, it's a symbol. We've all come to know it. It's global. If I say to you, okay, so after the service today, let's all go to Macca's. Let's all go and have lunch. Let's all gather. I'll even pay for it. Even as I'm saying those words, I am invoking a response in you. Some of you are thinking, yay, free meal, Macca's, let's go. Probably the youth. But some of us would be thinking, there is no way on this planet that I'm going to put that food in my mouth, even if you pay for it. Words have power. They invoke an emotional response on the inside of us. We are surrounded by them. When I was at school, I was on the debating team. We all know the purpose of a debating team is to win with words. Whoever can articulate their argument better and get the people to believe what they're saying will win. Why? Because words have power. In the beginning, Jesus, God, created the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light and light was. He separated the night from the darkness. He separated the sea from from the earth, he separated the sky, he, he made the animals, he made the plants and he said it all. Let there be light, let there be night, let there be day. And then when all that was done, he turned to the Holy Spirit and Jesus in Genesis and he said, let us, so they had to have been there because he wasn't talking to himself, let us make man in our image. And so he did. He made man in his image. We are image bearers. We bear the image of the Lord God Almighty. And what was the first thing that the Lord God Almighty did? He spoke his world, our world, into existence. And that is what he did to us. Words were used to pull down Adam and Eve. The serpent came in the garden and said, oh, surely God didn't say that but Eve she got confused the devil brought doubt we know the story but then God came along and he said to the serpent well from now on then I'm cutting your legs off you're not you're going to crawl around on this earth on your belly for the rest of these days and furthermore you're not going to have any speech I'm taking your speech from you so we are the only creature species 
on the whole of the universe that has language. Dogs bark, cats meow, birds squawk. We are the only ones that communicate back and forth in a very intelligent, sophisticated manner and the enemy knows it. He knows that our words have power because he knows that we are made in the image of God, just like him. So he goes around like a lion. He just whispers in our ear. He just he says things on our heart. He deceives. He could he can he could talk to Jesus and God, but he he can't he can't actually who's ever heard the devil speak? I've never heard the devil speak. I've heard promptings in my heart. I've had thoughts and I know where they come from. He actually has no power. He cannot articulate. He cannot create. Only God can do that. Only God can articulate. Only God can create. And we are made in the image of God. We are just like him. That's not heresy. That's the truth. That's biblical. We are little Christs, little Christians. So therefore, it is our mandate to speak. Speak and let it be so. We are fruit bearers. Who likes fruit? I like fruit, but I only like good fruit. I don't like rotten fruit. I won't eat rotten fruit. If I pick up a piece of fruit and it's rotten, I will have been known to cut the rotten bits out and throw them in the bin, but only tiny bits. It's got to be fresh lovely fruit. (laughs) Praise Jesus. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. So power of our tongue, life, death, whatever you love, whatever you speak, you will eat. It also says in Isaiah, the Lord said in Isaiah, I I create the fruit of your lips. I create the fruit of your lips. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Whoever loves it will eat of its fruit. I create the Lord God, the creator. He creates. That's why he's watching over his word to perform it. We need to be very careful what we say. This is not funny. This is fair dinkum serious. We need to be careful. He says, the Lord says, I create the fruit of your lips. What fruit are you speaking out over your own life, over your family, over your situation? I create what you continually. It also says that, Your praise will continually be on my lips. As we continually praise the Lord day in, day out, all the time, he will create. He will create what we say. He is the fruit of our lips. His, His praise is the fruit of our lips. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the treasure of his heart will eat its fruit. So the thing is, what's in our heart? A good man out of the treasure. How do we put treasure in our heart? The word of God is treasure. It is the most, the most valuable thing on planet earth. We need to put the treasure of the word of God. Jesus Christ is the word. We need to, we need to put him in our heart. We need to put his word in our heart. And out of the abundance, the overflow of our heart, 
the mouth speaks. We all know it. You're walking along with the Lord and then suddenly something will happen. You kick your toe or, and you go, ah! Interesting, isn't it? It just shows us that what's in our heart. Thank, thank the Lord that we're all works in progress and there's no condemnation in Christ. But as we continually seek the Lord, as we continually... That's why the, the songs this morning were amazing. Waymaker, Wiracle Worker, Light in the Darkness... Just singing. The word, the word says speak to each other in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. All the time, singing, praising, whatever it is, just meditating on the Lord. A tongue is a rudder. We all know that, um, you know, the Bible says a horse is a huge beast. They put a bit in its mouth and the rider controls the horse. And the ship is massive and it has a, a tiny little rudder. But it goes exactly where the pilot tells it to go. So the pilot turns and this huge ship that's blown about by winds is controlled by this tiny little rudder. Well, the Bible says that our tongue, this member in our body is exactly the same thing. Our life, the course of our life, the trajectory trajectory of our life is absolutely controlled by the words of our mouth, the words that we habitually, continually choose to speak. We all say things, you know, sometimes they slip out or we say things. There's grace because love covers a multitude. That's what the Lord said. Love covers a multitude of sins. But the things that we habitually, continually say we will eat of its fruit. And the crux here is belief. It's conviction. It's not name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. Oh, I'm going to have that. It is not that. It is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is conviction in your heart. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. It also says you can speak to that mountain. It's our responsibility to speak to that mountain. You can speak to that mountain, say, be removed and cast into the sea. If you believe in your heart and do not doubt, you will have. But it's all about belief. It's all about conviction. This isn't a religious thing. This isn't a, oh, well, you know, that's just what we believe. This is a conviction of the heart that Jesus Christ himself spoke about. This is the kingdom of God. This, we are, he is the gardener and we reap, we reap what we sow. Our Christian walk is one big garden adventure. It's just one big, happy, beautiful, blooming, blossoming garden that's what we're called to do. We're called to plant. Bloom where you are planted. Now, Mark 4, this is, now this is where Jesus talks about himself. The sower sows the seed. Jesus is the sower. He's the farmer. It's a big farm, mankind. And he taught them many things and he said, if you don't get this, he actually said this, if you don't get this, if you don't, understand this parable, you will not understand any of the parables. This is crucial to our walk with God. It is crucial 
to receiving healing. See, there are miracles, there are signs and there are wonders. But there is seed, the word of God that we are called to walk in every single day of our life. It is seed. We should do it this side. Seed. Time goes by. Oh, more time goes by sometimes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Time goes by. Because some harvests are bigger than others. Harvest. If we plant, attend, watch over, weed, compost, we will get a harvest. That is a spiritual law and that's, what, that's why this is first cab off the rank for healing school because we have to keep, we sow it, we take it in prayer to the Lord, we birth it. If you've got a problem in your life and, and you don't know what to do about it, Ask the Holy Spirit, pray with the Holy Spirit, Lord, what have you got to show me? What words have you got? He will show you scripture. It will become revelation, rema knowledge to you and pray it, speak it, thank him for it and you will know that it is accomplished in the spirit and every time the enemy comes and knocks on your head and says, well, that's not happening, you say, well, actually, yeah, It is because this parable that I'm about to talk about, if you plant a seed and something springs up out of the ground and grows, if you're a gardener, hands up if you ever go while your plant's growing, a plant tomatoes, the seeds come up, the little seedlings, who goes, oh, that's really little, pulls it out just to check to see if it's growing? Uh Uh-uh. No, you don't. You leave it in the ground, you compost it, you water it, you let the sun shine it, you let it. Do its time. If there's things in your life that you're disappointed about, I challenge you. I challenge you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's because we're not sitting on the word like a, like a uh, chook on an egg. Because the Lord is faithful to do what he promised. He will do. He said it. I believe it. That settles it. He said, be anxious for nothing. That's nothing. Nothing. No thing. Not something. Not, yeah, but this is important. No. Everything's important. How, how many of us aren't, aren't living in the world and we've got life all around us? Children, family, work. Lots of things going on all around us. Lots of things that could distract us. But God says, don't be distracted. So he taught them, this is the thing, he taught them many parables. And in his teaching he said, listen. That's the first thing he said. Listen. A farmer sows a seed. He went out to sow. And as he was scattering the seed, so this is Jesus, he's the farmer. He goes out and he's throwing out the word. Biggest seed packet on planet Earth. Every single harvest you could imagine is in this seed packet. You just have to open the seed packet and plant it in the ground and water it and trust in the Lord. Seed, harvest, seed, time, harvest. So Jesus is throwing this all around the place, all over. He's throwing this and some of it falls on 
just by the way, you know, a farmer, sometimes they got these things in the old days before they had the automatic and they'd pull them out of their pockets and they'd just throw the seed. Some of it just falls on hard ground, on the path. There's no, no soil, no nothing and straight away birds come and see that seed and they take it. They're the casual believers. They're the people that have heard the word of God. They know the gospel. They know that Jesus Christ came to save them. May have even given their heart to the Lord. But that seed comes, that word comes. Yeah, they believe it. They're born again. That's great. But they don't do anything with it. They just walk away, get on with their lives. Born again, going to heaven. See you later. But they, there's no thought, no care, no nothing. They, they're just born again. There's no root. Hard ground. Just hard ground, nothing there. And then he says, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the, same come, when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and withered because they did not have any root. So this is the part of the garden, you know, with the pebbles and the rocks and just naturally the um, little bits of dirt will come. And they'll just land among the rocks. We've got a little rocky section at home. And it's amazing. You just walk out. Oh, look, there's a bit of grass. Oh, look, there's a weed. But there's no, not much soil there. But that, it just springs up. But the sun comes and it just it doesn't fruit. It doesn't crop. It doesn't do anything because it's got no root. Because the Bible says, sink your roots down deep into him. And draw up nourishment from him and he will give you life. That's what we're called to do. We are called, we are the gardener of our soul. We are called to sink our roots down deep into him and draw up nourishment. So those people, the ones that it falls on rocky grounds, they're excited. They, they come to church or they hear a podcast, they hear the word, oh, that was good, man. I love that. that did you hear that? That was so good. Woo! They're excited but they're not committed. They're not committed to the word of God. So they hear it, goes in, but nothing comes of it. First sign of trouble they walk out the door, get in their car, whatever. That was great. And by the time they get home, they can't even remember what it was. Because it's very shallow. They haven't taken the time to tend it. Haven't spent time with the Lord. Haven't cultivated our hearts. And I believe that each one of us can move in between these stages in our Christian walk. I don't think any of us get to a place where, oh, I've arrived. Hallelujah. No, because we're constant. It's like a garden. Sometimes your garden's got weeds in it. Sometimes your garden doesn't have weeds in it. Sometimes you're a bit busier. Sometimes you're not. But it's our responsibility always to garden our own soul, to pull out the weeds, to plant, to water. Otherwise, we won't grow. So we can move from different parts of this. But I think the goal is to be the last one, which is good soil. The next one is, some fell among thorns, which grew up, choked, choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. They didn't crop. So it fell among, you know, your soil's not too bad in your heart, really. And you hear the word and you implant it and it's pretty good. You get it. But then 
life happens. Something happens at work. You lose your job. Someone gets really sick. Your car smashes. You've got five bills in one month and you can't pay them and you're so distracted by taking care of business that of course the Lord's always there, he'll always wait. He loves us unconditionally and that is so true. He never changes, he's the same. There's no condemnation either. But this is about the state of our heart, the state of where we are. If, the, if, if life comes up and it chokes out the goodness of God, then it's our job to root it out either with the word of God because the Lord says, whatever's not planted by my heavenly father is uprooted in Jesus' name. So if we recognise thorns and that they've got these roots and they're overtaken, well, we uproot it in the name of Jesus according to the word of God. The other thing we do is we can compost it with the word of God. We can just tip it all over there and all that other horrible stuff will be used for good because God uses everything for good. And the last one is the good soil, the good soil of our heart. Where it goes in, our heart accepts it. We take it in, we accept it. We produce sometimes 30-fold, 60, sometimes 100-fold because, we, because we're faithful stewards and that's where I believe that the Lord wants our hearts to be, always sowing in, always taking whatever it is. The Bible says don't be anxious for anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes understanding will guard our heart, it will guard our mind in Jesus' name. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So we can choose. We can choose by our lifestyle. I heard a statistic a while ago that says if you read the Bible once a week, there will be no change in your life whatsoever. If you read the Bible two to three times a week, there will be none to minimal change. But if you start reading the Bible four times or more, Every week you will start to experience a change in your heart, in your spirit, in your attitude, in your mind, four times or more minimum. So it's what we reap, what we sow. This is an important message because we are ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. None of us are perfect. None of us do it right all the time, every time, because that's we need the Lord. But it's so important that we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added. It's, it's the most important thing. So Jesus said, if you don't get that, that my word is seed, then you won't get anything. And here's the thing. Satan is after the implanted word of God in your heart. He's after the seed. Why is he after the seed? Because it produces because it changes lives, not only your life, but it, it changes everybody's life around you. That ship that I talked about before with our tongue, you know, we don't just carry our own stuff. We carry the lives of our family. We carry our church family. We carry our world. It's, it's, it's a great responsibility that we have for each other. It's a great way of showing love by walking with the Lord. So the enemy comes and he, he does whatever he can to try to steal the word. 
everything that he can because he doesn't want you to produce. He doesn't want us to grow. He doesn't want your prayer. He doesn't want you to be healed. You know, the the lady with the issue of blood, when Jesus walked by, she said, if I could only touch the hem of his garment. She said, if I could only, and she called out his name. She had a vision in her mind. She knew she had faith. She had belief. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be saved. And Jesus felt it. You know what he felt? He felt faith. He felt conviction. He felt belief. He felt authenticity. He felt a human being that drew on him legitimately. He said, who touched me? Who touched me? And they said, oh, no one touched you. There's millions of people here. Don't be ridiculous. Somebody drew on me. Somebody pulled on me. Somebody called out to me with a pure, consistent heart. And she was healed. That day, she, because, and Jesus knew, we have to pull on Jesus. We have to go to him. So if you're going through something, bet your bottom dollar that, and if, you, if you're meditating on the word, if you, if, you, if you go home from here today and you think, okay, I'm going to get a scripture, I'm going I'm to pray, I'm going to ask the Lord about this situation, bet your bottom dollar that the enemy's going to come along and try and get you off target. He's going to distract you. He's going to make you think, well, that's not working. He's going to get you stopping decreeing and declaring because he knows what's coming. He do- We're image bearers. We're made in the image of Christ. He doesn't want us free. He doesn't want us bearing the image of Christ everywhere we go. He doesn't want us setting the captives free. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want us doing that so he steals he comes to lie he comes to steal he doesn't just come to steal sick to steal health he comes to steal seed he comes to steal seed your seed before it takes root if you're struggling it's because your seed hasn't taken root it's because it hasn't come to harvest and that's all there is to it And there's no judgment, there's no time because God knows the whole big picture of all our lives. But the main thing is that we seek him with all our heart because he's faithful and he's just. And Jesus was led out into the wilderness for 40 days. 40 days, 40 nights. He was taken by the Spirit. That's what it says. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, to be tempted. He wasn't just taken out into the wilderness for just to spend some time with the Holy Spirit. He was actually taken out there for a purpose. He was taken out there to be tempted because he had to overcome in the flesh He had to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He had to overcome by the word of his testimony, the blood of Jesus. He was going to die and he knew it. And he had to withstand in the wilderness so that he could come out of the wilderness, die on the cross and we could then do exactly what he did, which was overcome the flesh. So while he's in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, he's fasting and he's hungry. 
very hungry, 40 days, 40 nights. So what does the enemy do? He comes up to Jesus. He knows he's hungry. He knows our needs. He knows where we're at. He knows what's going on. He comes up to Jesus. He says, oh, well, if you are the son of God, he knows he's the son of God. What's he doing? He's putting doubt in Jesus' mind while he's weak. He knows he's the son of God. Jesus knows he's the son of God. But he's offering him something very tangible here. He's offering him bread. He's starving. Imagine us. You've been praying for something for ages or you're sick or whatever and someone offers you medication. Well, you're going to take it. There's nothing wrong with medication. That's not the point. The point is the enemy knows what to offer us because he knows our weakness, because he roams around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. He's very, he's got watches. He watches to see what we're going to do. So he says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, well, just turn those stones there into bread. It's that simple, like problem solved. So Jesus had just spent 40 days and 40 nights and he's filled with the spirit of God. See, his flesh, his flesh is weak, but his spirit is strong. And he says straight to Satan, he looks him in the eye and says, well, it is written. It is written. He's telling him the authority of the word. He's telling him I'm the word and he's telling him you cannot override. It's written. It's already done. It's a done deal. It is finished. It is written, man He calls himself, he he identifies with us. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every word. That's what Jesus said. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay, well, Satan, he's like, "Mm mm-hmm, righto. So then he takes Jesus up to the holy city, Jerusalem, top of the hill, stands him on the highest point of the temple. So we know that Jesus is coming back. He's going to come back to Jerusalem and he's going to rule the world. So Satan just says, oh, here you go. Just come and stand here on top of the temple mount. Look over the whole of Jerusalem at that time. Look over the whole of the world. I'll give you, why don't you just throw yourself off? Your God, your father said that he will bear you up in your hands lest you dash your foot. Psalm 91 that Paul has said this morning. Come on. He said he'll he'll send angels. Just throw yourself off if you are the son of God. You can fly. You can do whatever you want to do. You've got the power. Come on. Woo! Pride. You can do it. Whatever. You can do it. And Jesus just looks at him and he says, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to a test. Do not test the Lord your God. Jesus knew who he was. Satan knew who he was. He's just telling him, matter of fact, don't put me to the test. Don't do it. I'm the son of God. You know what's coming. So then Satan is probably getting a little bit desperate. He's wanting Jesus to um, not resist him, but he's wanting him to give up because he knows what's at stake. Eternity, us. So... He takes him up to a very high mountain and he he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. You can have whatever you want. I'll give you every single thing. I'll give you Facebook. I'll give you Twitter. I'll give you every corporation. You can have Woolworths. You can have Coles. You can have Tesla. You can have the lot. You can rule the world. 
You can be king of the universe. You can do whatever you want. And Satan had the authority because he rules in that realm. He rules in this realm. But not us. He doesn't rule us. He tricks people into thinking that he rules us. But that's the greatest lie of all. He does not rule us. Because we are not of this world. We are not of this kingdom. We are of the kingdom of righteousness. He does not rule us. So he says to Jesus, I'll give you everything you want. You know what? You can have whatever you want if you do this, if you do that. That's how he talks to us. Come on, you can do it. Come on, you can have it. It won't hurt anybody. You can do it. So what does Jesus say to him? He turns to him and he says, Satan, it is written. And I, I think probably, it might be my imagination, but he looks Satan straight in the face and he says, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you worship. And at that, oh, first of all, he said, away with you, Satan. He was sick of him. Get away. You shall worship the Lord your God and only him will you, you serve. And at that, Satan went away. And immediately the angels came to minister to Jesus. That's what we're to say to Satan when he tempts us with sickness, when he tempts us with lack, when he tempts us with rejection, when he tempts us with any kind of negative emotion because words are powerful. We are made in the image of God. We say away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and only him Only him shall you serve. We can say, I worship the Lord, the Lord my God, and only him will I worship. Our words are powerful. We have the power to change the course of our life, to change the trajectory. There it is again. The trajectory of our life. So... I just, I just, we're going to have a prayer line. We're going to pray for people. But I just feel like there are people here because everything's common to man that have, have experienced disappointment in their life that they haven't, I don't know, sometimes they just think the Lord's, he doesn't do it. He doesn't. But you know why? Because it comes out of a place of conviction. It comes out of your heart. Out of the overflow of a heart. That's why we need to check ourselves in that parable. Where am I? Check yourself. See where you are. And if you need healing today, come with a humble heart because the Word of God is implanted with meekness in our hearts and it's able to save our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. We are to implant it. So I just, I just pray, Father. I just pray today. Father, I thank you. I thank you that your word of God is humbly implanted into our hearts, that it would save our soul, that we would walk as the sons and daughters of God that we are called to be, that we would grow in grace and wisdom every day, that we would fall before you, that we would speak out your word, that we would pray in the spirit, Lord God Almighty, that we would take hold of you, Jesus. Really take hold of you, Lord. Cry out to you. Sing to you. Thank you. Be ever grateful. Your praise will ever be on our lips. Ever be on our lips. 
Thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory, all the praise. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. So if there's anyone who who needs healing, even, you know, mind, body, mind, will, emotions, the Lord come to make us whole. He doesn't just heal our body. When we put the Word of God into our lives, into our soul, it lines up with our spirit and our body will come in line. If you just choose to agree, to believe, and if you're having trouble believing, Ask the Lord to help you with your unbelief. Ask the Lord to show you scriptures that you can speak over yourself to strengthen you so that your belief is increased. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Jesus. So come out if you need healing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.